I'm Taiwo, and this is Medical Experts in Football. My first guest is a physical therapist who has his doctorate in physical therapy, sports clinical specialist, and many more certifications to add to his name. He now works for one of the most powerful teams in the world, the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team. I welcome you, Carlos Jimenez. We're going to go back to you being a young boy in Venezuela. How would you describe your town? Well, it was different than growing up in Miami because I live in a kind of like an urban type of area of town. So Mm -hmm. we have buildings right next to each other and had friends that could just like come out from one building and just literally like go to the next building and have like a couple of friends. We just like hang out and play soccer on the streets and baseball on the streets on the weekends. And, you know, I mean, it was, we, we could just literally just walk everywhere and just have fun as, as a kid. You said you played baseball and soccer. Were there any other sports you were involved in? So I grew up playing a lot of sports. If you're from Venezuela, you mm-hmm. have to play baseball. I mean, that's a given. But my mom told me that I was bored when I was playing it. He said, oh, let's, let me put you in soccer. And I was like, <laughs> I love soccer. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I grew, up, I grew up playing, you know, baseball, soccer. And then when I moved to the U.S., I was playing, like, volleyball. And What drew your interest about soccer? Uh, we didn't have big players in my country as we do now. So it was just I loved the sport. It was fun for me just to play mm-hmm. outside and, you know, just you can play anywhere. You just need a ball and just yeah. put, like, a little two rocks on the side and just make a goal. And that was pretty much it. <laughs> So why was it important that your family moved to the States? You know, my mom, she was the one that decided, I mean, it wasn't me. I was a young kid, 16, 15 years old. So I had no idea of the world. She Mm -hmm. was the one that wanted to do something different. She wanted to try a new, you know, get, she wanted to do this for me and and my other brother. So she's from Ecuador, actually. So she moved from Ecuador, immigrated to Venezuela, and then again, immigrated to the U.S. So we are six in the family. So, you know, it's, um, I own everything because of what the decisions she made then. If not, I mean, things would have been very different for me, for sure. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And what was it like for her having to obviously work and support the mm-hmm. family? How was that? It was hard. I mean, she obviously, um, she didn't know the language, first of all. So that makes it a, a little bit difficult. And we went to a town where it was, Pretty much, it was called Fort Lauderdale, so it's like uh, it's not Miami where you have more of a Hispanic influence, but mm-hmm. over there was more of a American influence, African American influence, and she would like go early in the morning, uh, like four or five a.m., take the bus, and I'll see her like late at night um, after came, she came back, and I would just go to high school here. So yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, it was it was tough for her. Like now, when I talk to her. I get to understand because when you're at that age, you just, you know, she's working, but you don't get to understand the struggle. But now I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, uh, I get to appreciate it more. Yeah. Wow. So after graduating with your physical therapy degree in 2012, what did you envision your dream job to be? So I always wanted to work in soccer. That was like my first uh, passion as because I wanted to play soccer professionally, right? But obviously I wasn't good enough. <laughs> so then you're like, okay, what else am I going to do? I want to still, you know, be relevant in sport. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do 
PT school. You know, I took PT school route because I didn't know anything about athletic training. In my country, there's no such a thing as an athletic trainer. I mean, many countries in the world, there's no such a thing as an, as an athletic trainer, right? So it's only here, probably Canada and maybe Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm missing a couple more, but but for me, it was like, okay, I want to do, I don't want to be in the medical aspect. Like, I don't want to be a nurse. I don't want to be a doctor. I didn't have the passion to be a doctor. So I was like, okay, I want to do PT and I want to be staying in sports. So I did my bachelor's in more like exercise science. And I was always doing a lot of things with soccer on the side during school all the time, either being like coaching kids or being part of the academy system down here in Miami. And after that, um, I always wanted to work for the national team for Venezuela or a professional team. You know, it was hard because then I was I had to decide if I wanted to just go into sports science or go more into PT. Then I was like, okay, you know, I had the chance that my school, we were able to be grandfathering to the PT school program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and I'm like, okay, let me try the PT route. And, and I did it. And I saw you, you also did a lot of training, like personal fitness training while you were in PT school and afterwards, how did yeah. that help you set yourself up for success today? You know, a lot of what we do is a lot of soft skills to put that on the side, right? I think being a personal trainer, working with people day to day, understanding their needs, uh, being able to communicate with them, understanding where they come from, you know, just talk just to talk, right? Like that's 90% of what we're doing with our <laughs> patients and clients at any level. It mm-hmm. doesn't really matter if you're working with a the top soccer player or you're working with a 80-year-old person that comes into the clinic. I think the soft skills are a valuable skill to develop early on because you can learn any skill, right? You can actually, after read all the research you want, you can you know be a professor and everything, but if you don't have the soft skills, at this level, it's, it sometimes comes harder to get buy-in from the players to get buy-in from your uh, patient, right? So you've traveled to many states and even countries such as Poland for work. Yeah. What's yeah. a memory that sticks out in that country? Um, I mean, I still ha- I still have a couple of good friends that I work there with. Um, I the country, I'll say, I mean, beer. They love their beers and. <laughs> And uh, I mean, I enjoy, I travel a lot in Poland and I learned a lot about the history and, you know, World War II and stuff that I, that I knew, but you don't really know until you're there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, it was a beautiful experience. I, I really enjoyed a lot. And I actually, all the memories that I have with the team, especially, you know, being able to win the, the, the league that time. And then we, we were in Champions League. We played like Madrid, we played Sporting Club, we played um, Borussia Dortmund, and and it was just unbelievable. I couldn't believe it that I was there, right? Like, for me, this kid coming from Venezuela to be there is like unbelievable. I still don't believe that I'm doing what I'm doing right now with this, uh-huh. the U.S. national team. How does it feel being in that type of stadium? Well, and especially in Poland, it's so interesting. I, I invite you to watch, just go on Google and... and watch uh legia warsaw that, that's mm-hmm. the team name and just put fans or what hooligans i mean you'll be amazed i i've never been to anything like that and it's so different i i was a fan of the team just because of these guys the way they live mm-hmm. through this through their team right like that was their life i mean 
their songs, their they were there every day, every game they were there. I mean, if you lose, you feel like people were upset and all of these things, right? Like I, I miss that because I love the adrenaline to be in, in that atmosphere. It's a little bit different in the US with the teams that I've worked with. It sounds like that was an incredible experience, but I imagine there had to have been some sacrifices making that move to Poland. How did that jump impact your professional and personal life? It did actually. So at that point, I was doing my own business here in Miami. And when I got that call from my friend in Poland to work with the team, I was like, oh, my, my business was like, was doing so much better now and I was able to like grow it right and it was a point that I it was I think that was the point that I had to decide okay what do I want to do if I let that go then I don't think I will get the experience to work at the level at the highest level in, in soccer and that will probably set me up for the other thing that set me up uh, then mm-hmm. so it was a sacrifice you know I left my business at the time Uh, it was ran by another friend of mine, but then things didn't go well, right? I mean, I was over there. I was the name of the business. Then people knew me, right? It's, this is what it is. And, and it was stressful because I was trying to deal with people like texting me from Miami over there. I was like, <laughs> okay, I was too immature. I was, I was immature in the business. I didn't know what I was doing. I was doing well because it was me, but to actually make it as a business, it wasn't a business yet. It was just Carlos, the PT, who knew people and they would see me, but it was harder for them to see other people, right? That was one of them. So obviously leaving my family, I think I, I got homesick a little bit over there, mm-hmm. the language. I learned because the team will give you a, a, a tutor and you have to practice and you practice with the, you know, with, with your players and everything, but it gets to you a little bit after a while. It was a tough year, but it helped me to grow, to, to, to be where I am right now. So I think you have to go through those rough patches in life to grow. Okay. So before working for the U S women's national team, you spent two years working with the U S Olympics and Paralympic committee. How was that experience? It was another challenge for me because You know, this is Carlos coming in from a soccer background, right? That's all I knew. Soccer is my passion. I knew soccer. You ask me anything about soccer injuries, I know. I know everything. Uh, Walking, I was fortunate enough to actually, before to get that opportunity, I did a volunteer. uh, I did a volunteer program with them a few years before. And it was like a two weeks It's actually, I recommend this to a lot of PTs out there where you do a two week uh, volunteer um, time with the Olympic committee and you get to be with them. They host you, give you uh, housing and food and obviously they won't pay you, but you get to work with the athletes and be involved in that environment. So I did it from that. That's why I got this opportunity, by the way. So when I got to the Olympics, I was like, okay, how do I, you know, I didn't know anything about gymnastics. I didn't know anything about swimming. I mean, I know how to swim, but I don't know how to work with uh, Katie Ledecky or like play athletes that I have not, you know, I respect them so much because mm-hmm. of what they do, but I, but this is me and working on her shoulders and stuff like that. Like, okay, um, you know, I'm doing good, but then you have a boxer walking into the, the sports medicine room and you have to work with them. And then you have a figure skater walking in with like hip issues. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's just this, different 
sports that you that I have to work for, with, and I just have to evolve a lot uh, to understand each sport, to understand gymnastics, to understand the movements that we're doing on the bars, on the everything. So it was just an incredible experience, and I was fortunate to, like I said, I did my volunteer program. They liked what I did, and and I was able to you know, to make it to the final uh, interview and I got the job, but it was just because I volunteered with them and I, and, and they remembered me because of that. So, yeah. Now you talked about all the sports you worked with. What helped you understand the sports? Was it like you watching the sports on TV, watching their mechanics? You have to dive into the sport, right? So let's say this is a funny story. And I still, uh, I still talk to this guy. He's a, he was a diver. Uh, I think it was a 10 meter diver and he had, he would deal with medical issues, whatever. But um, obviously ask me anything about diving. I have no idea. So mm-hmm. I have to like talk to him to teach me about the sport. And he, he came up with, well, he helped me to come up with it, like Excel spreadsheet where we will kind of quantify his jumps and the type of jump, the difficulty of the jump and how much this comfort that jump costs. That's one way that I did it. Like I didn't know anything about diving. So it's just one way to come out like gymnastics. I would just go to practice all the time just to watch and do things. Uh, just let me be there and just understand what they're doing. And you talk to them afterwards. Hey, what is this? What is that, you know, move that you did or on the rings? What is it mm-hmm. called? You know, just kind of like, just have to talk to them again, soft skills, communicate with them and, you know, you have to be, have open mind to, to learn from them and, and to accept that things that you don't know, you don't know. And mm-hmm. I think people will appreciate that more that instead of you coming into a room, you're like, yeah, I know everything because in reality we don't. But then sometimes you, you will have situations like this where I didn't know anything about most of the sports that I was watching. I knew about the injuries. I knew about rotator cuff impingement or secondary impingement, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know anything about when did it cause the pain when he was in the rings or doing stuff, right? So that's that's where you have to be open-minded and learn from them. And th- that will guide you through. I mean, these athletes are so amazing. I think Olympic athletes are incredible people. I, I really like to work with them a lot. Cool. Now, you have experience working for the Venezuela men's national team. I believe it was 2016. Mm-hmm. why the u.s women's national team so i always work with men right so i didn't grow up unfortunately me unfortunately i think um i didn't know anything about women's soccer right it's just i wouldn't call it uh, maybe ignorance or something like that maybe in my country in venezuela there's then that was not a thing now it is growing the women's soccer so all I was exposed to was women soccer, right? I, I had connections with the Venezuelan national team and the federation back then. Uh, so I was fortunate to work with the under 20 uh, and then the national team, senior national team uh, for the Copa America in 2016. I think that when I was working at the U- Olympic committee, then I was like, you know, I did this for about two years and a half, three years at the Olympic committee. And I think I was ready to maybe give it another chance because I think I was burnt out a little bit. Um, as I told you, I, I was doing a lot just to try to make myself 
to get to the top level. So I think I got burned out and I got, I, I hated soccer for a little bit for a long time. It's like, I didn't want to know about the sport. I just want to do something that is, there is no stress that I have nothing to do with uh, any of the sport, anything about it. So I think that's why I wanted to give myself another chance. And, and I saw this opportunity and yeah, uh, why not? I mean, they are the best team in the world. And, and if I, I, if I had the chance then why not? <laughs> and how do you feel about being a PT for, yeah, one of the most dominant teams in the world? I am very grateful to be in the team. First of all, um, the players and the staff, they have um, accepted me as one of their own. And it's been a year and maybe like three months that I've been in this job, right? Last year was kind of weird. We did a few camps before COVID. I mean, working with this team is is an honor for me because of what it represents in the world. Um, you know, you have icons, right? There, that go beyond the sport. My mom, she is, uh, I mean, she's 70 years old. She is from South America. She knows Megan Rapino. Mm-hmm. Even though Megan Rapino doesn't speak Spanish, my mom knows about her. I'm like, that, that tells you a lot of how these players, you know, transcend beyond the sport of soccer. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it's been an honor for to work with a lot of great people. Not only the athletes, but the staff that I work with. I'm, I'm very lucky. Incredible. I do have to ask you, where and what were you doing when you found out you were offered the position? I actually was in, in Colorado Springs. I was um, at my job with the Olympic Committee, and I talked to my boss and everything. So, yeah, I was, I was working with them. So it was it was not an easy decision. What was hard about that decision? Because working at the Olympic Committee, you, you're still working with the best of the best in the world, right? Like it's, there's no doubt that it's not soccer, but you're still working with the best track and field athletes that I had to work with. Um, best swimmers, best boxers, best, I mean, just name it, right? It's everything but the best. So I was, I was fortunate to be there. I was like, you know, I know I'm leaving, but I'll go always to a best, also the best team in the world. It, it was hard because I had really good relationship with the people that I was working with. And I value that a lot. You know, one of the things that we shouldn't forget when you're taking a job is who, who are the people you're working with? I think that you have to value that as well. So it wasn't an easy decision. I had a lot of conversations with my, my family, my girlfriend, um, a lot of people that I trust to kind of like, am I making the right decision? Is this the right move for me? But um you know, you just have to just take the decision and go for it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't regret anything, but it's just that I have to say that, that I was working with the great people and great human beings at the Olympic Training Center. And before your first day with the U.S. Women's National Team in 2019, you mm-hmm. gave Dave Napham and Dave Taylor a shout out. How did those two individuals contribute to your development? Huge. You know, before I came to the Olympic Training Center, I was... PT that you know a lot about the injuries and all these things, but I wasn't comfortable with managing and understanding data. Coming there, to working with these people, they already had a system, a structure for you to develop also as a, I would call myself ever a data scientist, but to understand data and how to utilize it on your favor. And yeah, that's why I did a shout out, shout out to them, but there's a lot of people there that mm-hmm. I didn't mention, but 
those two were the ones that I learned a lot on the data aspect. And now I'm using it more because of, of them. So let's talk about team training camp, because I don't know if, well, you do remember, but we had our interview set for a couple yeah. of weeks ago, but <laughs> couldn't happen because you were in camp. I know, um, right? Can you just take me through what a day is like in camp? It just seems really chaotic unpredictable yeah it is you know um it, it's part of, of that environment you have to accept unpredictability you have to accept that things are not going to work out the way you want but you just have to deal with that so a typical day would be uh, let's say we only have one training a day i mean usually we wake up around 8 a.m breakfast well wake up early work out 8 a.m breakfast then we have clinical hours with the players from let's say nine to 11 ish no. and then we go to practice then from 11 30 to like one on the field then we come back then uh, again open the uh, clinic hours for the players from like three to six three to five and then later at night we open up again and then we finish up around at 10, 10 p.m. A typical day. If we have two sessions a day, it would change. But I think the typical day, will, that's that's the way it goes. So when you say open clinic hours, is that for players to come to the treatment room to yeah. get any injuries taken care of? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we we what we do is we just have hours for them. And whoever signs sign up for the hours, then we, we work with them depending on what, what Okay. Now during practices, besides watching out for any injuries, what other things are you looking out for? In our high performance structure, we actually help during the warm up. We help with the activation part. We, you know, we get them moving, we get them to prepare them for the session. If there is an athlete that has an injury, then what I will do in collaboration with the athletic trainer and the sports scientists, we take the player out on the side and we do some extra work or different work for the player. I do whatever it is. I mean, I'm not an athletic trainer, so we are lucky we have amazing athletic trainers on, on the field that are looking out for any injuries. Also, we have a, a medical doctor there as well. So I just either help, you know, help the equipment manager, just get the ball, shaking balls get the players set up for like shooting drills, like help them out, help the coach to be a linesman sometime as well. <laughs> Honestly, I, I do whatever it takes. Like, I don't care. So considering the limited time you have with the national team, how do you make the most of your time with the players when it comes to ensuring they are physically ready for the competition? That's a good question. I think it goes down to uh, every player has their own different needs and they have their own uh, resources at their hand. Um, definitely communicating with uh, them. And obviously Steve, um, he is also in, obviously involved in this a lot. Right? Some players are playing in some teams that are amazing, like Manchester City. Mm -hmm. They have amazing resources. There are other teams that don't have that. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, it's, it all goes down to every single player because of locations and club status, but it's difficult. It's not a black and white yeah. in this situation. Yeah. So it sounds like at times you are in communication with their respective club teams, medical staff, huh? Yeah, okay. that's normal. I think that's usually what uh, most people do, but I think also as a high performance team, we get on calls with them, um, regularly to check up on the athletes to see how they're doing. What happens when there's like a disagreement when it comes to how the club is managing an injury versus what the, the national team, how they would manage it? Um, 
Or does that even happen? I don't think this agreement is like, oh, this is wrong, this is right. No, I think it just the way things are handled might disagree. But at the end of the day, I don't think there's a wrong or right answer. It's the way how you reach to that end goal, which is getting the player safely and, and back to play soccer, right? I, there's a saying that there's no, there's not only one way to, to roam, you know, with that being said, that we have to also respect um, how they're seeing their players and depending on the injuries how they're going to approach that as long as it's not crazy i mean most of people are working with great clinicians great doctors so i don't think there's disagreements so at times coaches and managers seem to have different time frames when it comes to getting an athlete back on the pitch now when you're not able to get an athlete game ready in that given time frame what goes through your mind before having the conversation with the team. That's why sometimes you don't want to give times <laughs> or give very vague <laughs> times. So it can backfire. Uh, but when you're caught up in that situation, accept and communicate with the coaches that things didn't go the way you thought they were going to go and have to, you know, reassess the situation and go back with your team and see where, you know, first of all, make sure that this doesn't happen again. Or if, if it happens again, things are going to happen. I mean, it's, it's unfortunately as much as we want to think that we have all this technology, we have everything, all the money available to do things. I think at the end of the day, still, we, it's not a perfect system. We can only prevent uh, injuries. We can only estimate when they're going to come back, but some players might come back quicker and sooner than others. Some others will be, return later even though they have the same injuries coaches don't like they don't like if you turn something and then it changes especially if it's a key player so would you say you have had fairly good responses from coaches being that vague about regarding to an athlete getting back at a Mm -hmm. certain time period have you ever had an instance where maybe a coach just went off on you personally i haven't especially this team i don't because all most of the communication will go through the head athletic trainer so i just communicate through him Unfortunately, he's the one that's taking the heat. <laughs> but in, in other teams, like at the Olympic Training Center, I will have to just talk to some coaches. But uh, like I said, I've been fortunate to work with coaches that are understanding. Now, so far, what has been the biggest sacrifice you've made to work for the U.S. Women's National Team? I mean, it's kind of selfish. I don't think I've made any huge sacrifice. I think they have you know, helped me um, in a lot of ways. Um, I think the Federation has supported me in a lot of uh, ways and resources, uh, being flexible with many things. So I'll be honest with you. I think, you know, I mean, obviously being far from family and, and, and girlfriend, but that's part of, of the job that you're doing, right? I mean, it's, it's on me. I am the one taking this job and I'm, I am accepting that that comes with this job, right? Okay, so with the Olympics pushed back till this year, how are you feeling that it's just a couple months away? Well, we're definitely feeling it right now. I think, you know, as uh, personally, I'm excited. I mean, it's going to be also a dream for me come true to just go to the Olympics and and be with, with a great team. Uh, representing, again, uh, the U.S. also would mean a lot to me. And, I mean, I, you feel it now that things are wrapping up ramping up really quick we have camps coming up really quick and fast to fast and furious pretty much <laughs> so i think um i mean dynamics will change you know i think people 
more stressed it'll be a little bit but yeah it's just but it's exciting right that mm-hmm. this is what i think people like me and others that work in the sports industry like that like that adrenaline like that pressure like enjoy it now you may know this stat but since 1996 the u.s women's national team has not missed a single olympic they've won four gold medals mm-hmm. But last Olympics, they were knocked out by Sweden, which was their earliest Olympic exit ever. Knowing that, mm. what type of pressure are you feeling? That's it's kind of more like a coaching staff question. I don't know if I feel comfortable, but I'll tell you personally how I feel. Mm-hmm. I think with what you said, and I know that no one has done like a back-to-back either, no World Cup and Olympics either, right? right? from what I've seen and what I've heard, I think that's actually a motivation for a lot of us. I mean, personally, I feel like whatever I can, my two cents, I can, you know, help the team. It's what I'm going to do and I'm going to do the best I can. There's pressure, obviously, but I think it's, I'm just going to talk in general. I think this team of players, they're so amazing and they've been through a lot of stressful situations and in competitions and tournaments in the past. So I think they thrive under pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now come Tokyo, aside from winning the gold medal, what will success look like for you as a physical therapist? Let's go back to the basics. Mm-hmm. I mean, we want to think of the fancy stuff, but I, I just think that if I do right, my, if I do everything, what I need to do for the player, either, you know, this basic stuff to my, Good joint mobs for the day for the player. <laughs> uh, getting a good uh, activation program for the player. Um, you know, just stuff like that. I, I just, that's where I'm, I need to do the best I can. And I mean, there's a lot of pieces, moving pieces in a team. But I think that if I can just do that the best I can, um, yeah, I mean, the rest will, I will feel better for myself. And I know that I did the best I could to help the, the team. Now, you said when you're not in training camp, you're able to take some weeks, whether that's Miami, Colorado. What else do you fill your free time with? I enjoy playing tennis. So that's, that's one of my oh. things that I actually like to do a lot. Obviously, I would love to play soccer, because, but right now I don't want to put myself out there with <laughs> people that I don't know because mm-hmm. of COVID. But, um, but I think, uh, yeah, tennis is my second favorite sport. Um, it's just unfortunately I didn't grow up playing I, like I said I play all the sports but tennis mm-hmm. but then I started playing tennis like three or four years ago but I, I mean I just love it and it's just fun <laughs> it is fun now your journey from the time you graduated physical therapy school to now what were some of your toughest roadblocks toughest ah long hours mm-hmm. seriously starting like say I was in PT school working as a personal trainer uh, working sometimes on the side with kids, like coaching, whatever, soccer. Um, and then after graduation time, be like, okay, I want to do everything, right? Yeah. So I was working in a clinic, working with a club early in the morning. We did like 7 a.m. practice, finish up practice around noon, 1. Then we run to the clinic, get <laughs> the clinic around 1, 2 p.m. And then close the clinic until like 7, 8 p.m., finishing up notes. So I was like literally out all day every day so I think that was the main obstacle but I think people especially PTs we have to put in more time if you want to break into the industry of sports because of of the limitations that we don't have an easier access or just because we are not involved in sports 
when we were when we in school. Some 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 programs are not as involved, mm-hmm. but I think the hours that I had to put in, uh, I mean, definitely paid off, right? I'm here. I'm happy yeah. that I'm here where I'm right now, but but it was 12, 13, 14 hours a day that I was just out there just doing work. <laughs> so. At any point, did you question like, is this even worth it? You know, you you do, but. I was young and I didn't care. So it's like, I'm just going <laughs> to go for it. You know what I mean? And, and I was lucky that I was pushing through and going through working with clubs here and there. And then, you know, we'll do well. And then I get another opportunity. So I was always like getting, you know, it's when you're, it's when you give a kid like a candy, you're like, oh yeah, I did this. And you get a positive reinforcement. And I was lucky to do that. Make it a positive mm-hmm. reinforcement and keep going, right? So you give that momentum. And I was lucky to meet people in throughout my career so far that has helped me to be where I am, where I am right now. So mm-hmm. do you know that there are some clinicians who currently work in an outpatient setting and maybe they have mm-hmm. aspirations to work for a team? But yeah. how would you compare like the autonomy working for the national team to an outpatient setting? Some people think that, you know, if you're working for a big time team, you don't have as much of a say when it comes to treatment or um, prescribing exercises. Yes, but you have to understand your role, right? I think um, when, the, when there's disappointment, it's because your expectations are not meeting the reality. You know, I, I've traveled to a lot of places and worked with different people and I've got to understand my role in, in the team that I work with. There are differences, right? I, I think if you obviously own a PT clinic and if you, or no, if you just work in a PT clinic outpatient, then you have obviously more saying over the treatment plan or expectations for that athlete. But then, um, but then when you work in a team, uh, whatever, this one or all the teams that have worked in the past, you have more people that you have to coll- collaborate with and you have to be open-minded to listen to what they're saying. You have sports scientists that are, you know, giving you information and collaborating with you. You have athletic trainers that also have a saying. Autonomy is different, but but I enjoy the collaboration part, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. I don't like to just do things on my own and think, oh, this is the only way because in reality, no. I mean, you have a soft tissue injury there are different ways you can get a player to the same point. Yeah, they're meeting some uh, criteria to get there, but you can read a lot of research and look at how many ways you can return a player from a hamstring injury. And there are different ways. Mm-hmm. And it goes down to which one do you want to do and which ones, which criteria, which checklist, check, uh, check boxes you want to take into consideration when returning that player. It's very different, but I, I enjoy the collaboration part. And you have to adapt to that and to work at this level. Um, if not, you're not going to succeed. Again, you're going to be disappointed because expectations are not made up with the reality. <laughs> now, if there's one thing you would have done differently along your journey so far, what would that have been? When you're young and you are doing a lot of things, you put aside your personal life. I right? had a relationship that was... For a long time and then didn't work out because I was just doing my own thing so I'm happy now I, mean, I have no regrets on that but but I think at that point in time I was just so caught up in my own world mm-hmm. that it's I had to do it I feel like but you know it's just it's just part of life but you learn and now you now I get to appreciate 
my job, but then also appreciate the time that I'm with my family, my girlfriend and people that I like, my dog, uh, 